We hope you enjoy listening to this weekly podcast from Lifeline Church. Find out more by visiting lifelinechurch.co.uk. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome, especially if you're visiting or here for the first time. And uh, I'm going to talk to you for a little bit, um, really around the subject of being lost. Um, you ever had that experience when the sat-nav lets you down and uh, you think you're doing really well? I mean, we've been in situations like that on more than one occasion. You think, oh, which way do you turn? But there's different forms of lostness. There's a lostness where you don't geographically know where you are. There's also something that's kind of, you're not sure where you are, where you're going, where you belong, what's happening. That's a form of lostness. When I think about it, my mind goes back to many years ago, and uh, we were on a family holiday in a crowded beach. I can't remember where. I was only young at the time. And my sister, that's uh, a bit younger than me, got lost. And there's crowds of people there. And uh, somebody found her wandering and took her, I don't know whether it's to the beach attendant or police or whatever. But you see, she was very young. And so they were asking her, where do you live? Where are your parents? And the only answer she could give was, I live next door to a pussycat. <laughs> which, which didn't actually help them very much at all. Being lost, not a comfortable place to be. Hmm. Let's come back to that in a minute. Um, we're going to use a story, um, a very familiar story, about Jesus and Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. And uh, Nigel's going to come and just read that for us, and then we're going to look at that together. So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down and at once welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So I wonder if you've ever thought what God is really like. I mean, is he, is he sort of grumpy, angry, 
Is he actually merciful? Good? Kind? Is he out of touch? He doesn't really comprehend or understand what's happening for us or the life that we're leading. The Bible tells us that God is love. And to see God, we actually look at Jesus. It's very different from some concept of a kind of uh, do-gooder. This is about a Christ Jesus who was absolutely compassionate, for he so loved the world, and that includes you and me, that God gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Everlasting life is not something that means you kind of live to 900. What it means is it's a totally new and different type of life. The Spirit of God living in us, transforming. He is a very good God who loves you and he loves me. See, love has to have an object. If I walked around and say, I love, I love, I love, you'd probably think there's something slightly odd with me. Well, you might think that anyway, but love has to have an object. I love ice cream. That's an object. I love my wife. <laughs> All the time. It must have an object. It has to be practical. And God's love has an object, and we're that object, and it's practical because he did what was necessary to actually bring us into relationship with him. So he sent his only son to be sacrificed on the cross so that that sacrifice would be sufficient to remove the barrier of sin into which we are all... Sin is not about being naughty. Sin is about a state in which we live until we have come to submit our lives to Jesus. We'll come back to that in a minute. A very practical thing. And his love paid that supreme price to actually reunite us or bring us into the place that he'd ordained for us. But let's have a little look at, at the things we gleaned from that story. So Jesus entered Jericho, but actually he was passing through. He wasn't planning to stop there. It was just a journey that he was on. And there was this man called Zacchaeus who was successful, wealthy, well-known, not necessarily well-liked, but had the things that many people are looking for, money, recognition, success, but he lacked something. And he wanted to see Jesus. He was curious about this. Maybe, I think this is probably true, that he was aware that no, not, dis, not despite what he actually had, he was lacking something. 
there was something missing in his life. He couldn't quite describe it, but he knew. And therefore, he was, he was prepared to look, to investigate. And he was curious. He wanted to see Jesus. Probably had some awareness of his need. So he had to do something. It's interesting what he had to do. Now remember, this is kind of somebody well recognised in society. Uh, as I said, not, not particularly liked. He was a tax collector. How many of you have got a tax collector as your best friend? Oh. Yeah. Not particularly liked. But what did he do? He ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him because... He was short. He couldn't see over the crowd. So he thought, if I'm going to see him, I've got to do something. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since he knew that Jesus was coming that way. Now, this is a, this is a man in society, wouldn't normally, in his position, be climbing a tree. In fact... He was right there saying that something matters more than my position or how I'm perceived or my pride. He was willing to say, hmm, I want to see this. And he was prepared to do something that a fully grown man wouldn't actually normally do, certainly in that culture and in that society. When Jesus reached that spot, he looked up. A moment in time. A moment of understanding. Hmm. Here's somebody who wanted to see beyond the crowd, to see Jesus for himself. In fact, he was deciding right there that my pride, my position is not as important because there's still something that inside that I recognise, hmm, call it reality of life, satisfaction, sense of destiny. But we're kind of focusing around the difference between having a person as a guide, having a direction that is birthed into our hearts, and actually fulfilling what God always intended, that we come into relationship with him, and everything else is worth sacrificing. So he decided to make this step, to take this decision. Jesus was coming this way, he wanted to see Jesus. It was a point of decision, a moment of destiny, where he actually said, I don't know all about this, but I know that I'm lost. I know that I'm needing something. I, I see, I feel that this may be the direction. And interestingly, that Jesus came to Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus repented. Jesus was willing and saw him and responded to that that move towards Jesus. Jesus said, All right, I'm, I see you. I see you. 
And that's what God says to us. He sees us where we are. He sees us in the state or the condition. See, Zacchaeus hadn't come to a place of, place of repentance. He wasn't at a point of change. He was still a money-grabbing, deceiving tax collector. And see, we don't get to Jesus. He comes to us. And then at that moment in time, we have the opportunity to say, I turn from myself, I want to know him. I'm coming to your house. Basically, I'm coming to see what you're really like. I'm going to engage at a very close level. You see, you can't really come to Jesus and hold something back. I'll come to Jesus, but I want to kind of maintain my position, my reputation, or frankly anything else we give ourselves to him, and that's his way. If we're not open to him, it really doesn't work. And then, of course, you've got what happened around. He comes down. He's responding to the fact that Jesus said, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to get close to you. I'm coming to be with you. So he comes down. And Jesus says, having said, I'm coming to your house, he does it. He enters in. So he came down and welcomed him gladly, is what the Bible tells us. But of course the people saw this, and the people knew what he was like. But so did Jesus. Jesus saw something in him. But the people were grumbling and saying, what on earth is this guy Jesus doing, going to this house? Does he not realise what this guy is like? Well, of course, Jesus fully and completely knew what he was like, and yet he still loved him, loved him enough to reach out to him. And that's what Jesus does. It's not about getting good. It's not about trying to, trying to sort of be religious. That don't get you anywhere. It's because Jesus knows us how we are, and he reaches out and calls us, just like he could be calling you today to actually say yes to him. What does it mean? What does it mean to come to your house? Right, this is, this is a story. Let's interpret it. You see, the Bible tells us that because Jesus was willing to submit to giving his life, God made him Lord over all. Full stop. Then the question arises, if he's Lord over all, God has made him Lord over all, hmm, all could include me. How do, I, how do I do that? Well, it's simple, and yet it's miraculous. We say, I choose to turn from depending on myself or anything else, I turn to give the authority, the control of my life, the authority over my life, to Jesus. At that point, and this is where the miracle takes place, 
when we submit to his rule, to his lordship, at that point there's a miracle that God does. And that miracle is like being born all over again. That miracle is like being transformed from the inside. It's his spirit coming to dwell in us. It's really not about a religious thing. It's about the reality of actually coming to know him. Of course, for, as we read in the story, for Zacchaeus, there was a change of direction that comes with the, with the fruit of knowing Jesus. And it, it's, a, it's not we get good and come to him, but as you come to him and submit to him, there's a behaviour change. And Zacchaeus came up with repentant action. Actually, not Jesus. Jesus didn't, at that point, tell him to do these things. And he says, I, I will give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus declares these wonderful words. Today salvation has come to this house because then this man too is a son of Abraham. So after the, this miracle change from within, where we submit to him, to his rule, give our lives over to him, then God begins to work and help us to, to get things corrected, straightened up, changed by his power. He actually requires us to give our lives completely to him and he becomes intimately involved in all areas of life. And then we come to this verse that brings us back to the lostness. Jesus came, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let me come back on lost for a moment. Lost is where there's something missing. You're not quite in that place. That there's something that you think there may be a place or a destination or something different that I could find and see. See, the basic human needs are to have, to do, to be, to grow, and to love. And they're best fulfilled by he who created us with these very needs. Now, I think I've got time just to read something to you. Many of you would have heard this before. This was written years ago, Author Unknown. And it's called One Solitary Life. He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. Just one solitary life. He was born in an obscure village. He never wrote a book, never held an office, never had a family or owned a house, didn't go to college, never travelled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. 
He did none of those things which are usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. When he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Many centuries have come and gone, and today is the central figure of the human race, the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings who ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of man on earth as much as that one solitary life. His name is Jesus. This Jesus who came to seek and save the lost. Today may be the opportunity when you say, I want this. I am prepared to give the authority of my life over to Jesus, the Lord of all. I'm willing to do that. What we're going to do is give you an opportunity to do that. If you've never, never had that experience, never made that step. And as we move to the end of the meeting, I'll be sitting where I sit, there at the front, so I can't have to behave myself. All the eyes are upon me. I'd like you to just come and say that's what you want to do. We've got some literature that will be helpful. I just want to take a moment to pray with you. So please take opportunity to do that as we finish today and James is going to come and tell us what we have to do now. Thank you for listening to this podcast by Lifeline Church. We hope this message has been an encouragement to you. We are a relational church with a passion to demonstrate God's love to one another and our surrounding community in real and practical ways. We believe that God has called us to have an impact on our families, our communities and our nation. We'd love to connect further with you, so please do visit our website at lifelinechurch.co.uk on Facebook, lifeline.church.uk or Twitter at Lifeline UK. Thank you.